You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right we are back it is time for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast brought to you by midfirst bank go to midfirst.com slash u40 u40 and sign up for the oklahoma rewards credit card Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the program. By the way, we have breaking news, breaking news right off the bat. Uh, huge news, in fact. I don't know if you guys have heard about this yet. Eddie's looking You're at me with a very confused me. look. You're scaring me. Uh, according to uh, Craig Smoke, there will be a full Baylor line with over 2,830-plus oh. freshmen set to run. God. Against OU, it's, it's they're mean. bringing out all the they're they're pulling out all the stops. Well, I'm surprised that OU's still playing football after last weekend, but I that that is meaningless to me because there will be no Ken Star. The night that he led the <laughs> Baylor line out will never be topped again. What was that? 2015, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my beat. God, that was awesome! I I'll never forget standing in the middle of the field as OU's about to run out, and I turn around and Ken Star's leading out the. Uh, they just needed Linda Tripp, who might be a transvestite. <laughs> oh my God. I I am all for this because that means there's it's a, greater be a great chance. Yeah, it's a greater chance of people being trampled. That that's probably that's my true. favorite thing to do about going to Waco is finding the Asian. What about groups. the blue ice? The bluebell ice cream up in the uh, press box. They still have that. I don't remember any bluebell up there. They do post game pizza. That's all I appreciate. It's, Mm-hmm. Of course, Bob. Uh, gotta eat after free. the game. Yeah. You I gotta agree. eat I after agree the game. That. I agree with that, especially no, if it gets over late. I, I think the great thing about the Baylor line is there's always trampling that happens because uh, it's always the Asian groups that they hang out together, uh, and they're the first ones to go down, and it is fantastic. You think Art Bryles thought that was kind of erotic in a way? <laughs> seeing, I mean, he's the one that Asians getting he's trampled? the one that let everybody get raped all over campus. Yeah. You might as well think that. <clears throat> Asians getting trampled is more of a erotic asphyxia. What is the uh, what's the uh, what is it? Asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Yeah, I bet that. I bet Art Browse is into that. Died that way. I bet Art Browse is in. And I haven't turned Josh up at all. He's probably screaming. I. It started off with this was an is it racist segment, and then it's gone into somehow we got from Baylor to erotic asphyxiation. I mean, it feels not that far off. So like we made that connection pretty quickly. So, yes, OU is going to Waco. So are we. Um, be taking the Eskridge Lexus down there. And uh, it is, I don't know, guys, it is, there's a lot of news that's going on right now. OU played a basketball game that started at 1030 last night. Sure which did. Is freaking bizarre. I stayed up for it. It was in Portland. Yeah. But, 
I mean, even in Portland, what's so in bizarre NBA, about that? Nine thirty is the latest. There was the NBA two games. Stars. Two games. That's stupid. <laughs> I remember my ridiculous. first time watching college basketball. <laughs> it was six it and was eight thirty in Portland time. So. It was very late. They played no, well though. They played really well. Yeah, Bob, you watched. What'd you I see? I watched the entire thing. Did you really? Yeah, yes. he, he was tweeting Why? after too. Why not? Because you had a radio show machine. in the morning. It was it, it was late, but it wasn't that late. I will disclose that I slept from about 10.30 a.m. to about 3.30 yesterday afternoon. You were a little absent yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, he planned his course. I, I, course. I like Caught that. Up. I like that, though, because I get a break from you know, all the tweets. Eddie's a tweeting machine in the DM in our DM, he lets us know what's going on. Well, just let me know when I'm ready to uh, to go because I'll, I'll kill Heather Dennich today. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, I told you this. Heather Dennich has always kind of been my... You, you hate Joey Galloway. I've always kind of hated Heather Dennich, but I don't as much anymore. She's just doing her job, right. but her job is to cover the committee that ranks That's people. That's terrible. And it's a horrible job to have, but she knows all the ins and outs, but... It's like she literally is speaking for. She's channeling the committee all the time. She's she's not giving her opinion. Correct. So that's what annoys me. I like. I don't need. A, the committee doesn't need their own journalist, their own <laughs> spokesperson. Just the thought that a two-loss Georgia has any conversation being in or any type of Auburn. argument. Two-loss. Yeah. Excuse me. Auburn. I'm so fired up about it. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. They beat Georgia and Bama. Look out! Well, we they've start- lost two games. <laughs> They're done. They're out. They're out. Yeah. If if that's the case, then we should stop what we're doing as far as conference play and anything that's meaningful, and just give the SEC their own four game tournament. Well, what it's saying is what tournament. she's saying is that this committee is valuing wins over anything else. Like, there's no that like, I think they've been consistent. About. Yeah, th- th- I mean. They basically, the reason Oklahoma is where they are, and let's start there. Oklahoma comes out 10th yesterday. Which I don't have a problem rankings. with. I don't think I have a problem with that. Uh, but what they're saying is, well, here's the thing. They're saying they're valuing wins, and the SEC teams are all bunched up at the top because you know, Georgia has the win over Notre Dame. Uh, but even though they have a loss against South Carolina, who got beat by Appalachian State last week, uh, Oklahoma's loss isn't a terrible loss, but they don't have a great win. I mean... Texas is their best win, although now, they're in the top 25. Now they're 19. They beat Kansas yeah, State. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> they made a huge jump. Yeah, but, I, I mean, the thing about it is, is like, okay, that's all great. What's Alabama's great win? Why are they still so highly thought of? Because well, they play in the SEC. It's Which, not even that. They're Alabama. Yeah, they just get different treatment than everybody else, including other SEC teams. That's fair. And But my thing about it is, too, though, is this continued obsession with that conference when in reality there's three good teams you could probably argue four good teams and i'm not saying that that the big 12 deserves a lot of respect or anything but it just seems like they're getting not even zero respect they're getting like negative respect well i mean just i know you keep throwing like texas in there and you're throwing a bone to kansas state look but what you're saying about Baylor is exactly. that the Big 12 yeah. isn't any good. I mean, no, that's exactly right. It's not just right. a slight on Baylor. It's a slight on the Big 12. But I think I would also say, and I, do we all agree that if Baylor had an Oklahoma helmet, if you changed those two schedules, Oklahoma would be in the top four They're right in the now. playoffs right now, yeah. Yes. No question about it. Even with that schedule. Yeah. And even with as you could keep the same scores, I think Oklahoma would still be in because they'd say, well, they just keep winning. Yep. 
Well, guys, you could run through probably 10 schools with that schedule that would be sure. in the playoff right now. That's I think at the root of it, that is my problem with the committee. And I understand the... Uh, you know the metrics or whatever that they use to get to their final decision on their uh, top 25 but at the same time you just and that maybe it's the problem with the human element you can't take away the fact that it's Baylor or that it's Minnesota yeah or Minnesota had not beaten Penn State like like they weren't going to give it they were worse than Baylor last week and I don't know how good Penn State I is. don't either but we do know Chase Young will be back. They just announced Young will yeah, they, miss Saturday, but he'll be back for Penn State and Michigan. He's missing Maryland and Rutgers. Maryland but and he's Rutgers. Getting somehow, Michigan and Penn State. somehow the Buckeyes <laughs> will have to survive without him this week. Now, I, you know, I don't like. I don't have a huge problem with it, but it doesn't look good it does, from just exactly. that, that perspective. <laughs> but yeah, somehow the Big Ten, like we all, I mean, look at that East. They're shit. I mean, it's terrible. Yet. Every one of the teams that they have, like Michigan and Penn State, they just have okay wins. Some have, you know, now glaring losses. But it's like, okay, so there's four Big Ten teams that are national contenders, but there's not four, you know, Big 12 teams that are national contenders, or at least, you know, two or you know, three or so. I mean, it's Michigan's overall record. They've lost twice, right? Yeah. When you look at it, you got three big Big Ten teams, three SEC, uh, two Pac-12, and one ACC. Those are the nine you know, of the four. Yeah. They're all ahead of OU. The best big, you know, Big Twelve team is tens. It is amazing that that. Okay, so the committee says we start with a blank slate. That's not true because if you did, Clemson wouldn't be in the playoff because the ACC is terrible. And they haven't beaten anybody of note, and they almost they went to overtime with North Carolina. It's all trickle down effect too, because A and M's their Carolina only lost win. To South Carolina, South Carolina, or you know, South Carolina got beat by Appalachian Clemson State. South Carolina, they play them as the last game of the season. Yeah, yeah. Yep. that's their big one. I mean, good luck. Well, Bus can't even be the coach then. Yeah, they. I think they gave him the. Uh, well, I guess it depends how you look at it, but I think they gave him the uh, vote of confidence. Vote of confidence. Oh yeah, that him and Ray uh, Tanner would be back as the athletic director next year. I could see you know Muschamp not even doing like a Japanese style, but just a suicide, like a public suicide, like burn himself alive type thing. They're, they're yeah, four and six, and they're going to go four and eight. South I mean, Carolina. Lose, yeah, they're going to yeah. lose today and in this weekend, and they're going to get their brains beat in by Clemson, who's going to be looking to make a point. Maybe unpopular on this podcast. I think Oregon's pretty damn good. I, I'm getting there, Eddie. I, I, I have, tr- you know, and I want to say a team that I have beat down for a while. Florida's better than I thought they were. Florida's a decent football. That's team. fair. They're not. They're not great, but they're better than I thought they were. Especially offensive, they're well, better. They they're better with Trask at quarterback with Trask. Than, than they were yeah. with Felipe Franks. And they were they were not healthy when they played Auburn. Like they were missing, I think, like two of their top defensive linemen in that game. Yeah, the Zuniga kids had trouble being healthy all year. He he's had issues with that. Now, the I I will say it feeds my narrative of Dan Mullen being overrated that Felipe Franks had to damn near die to get him off the field and realize, oh, we've got a much better quarterback sitting on the bench the whole time. Like, Felipe, if, if Felipe Franks is still there, they're exactly what I thought they were. I but think, Kyle Trask is playing pretty good football. I mean, I, I, I'll never, I, I can't ever get over the fact that Dan Mullen had Dak Prescott as his quarterback, and he's a better pro than he was a college player. 
Yep. I mean, that's the what biggest you, indictment for me. Dak Prescott had that run of what, like nine games when they were really, really good, and then they went and who'd they get their ass beat by? Was it Alabama? I think that because they did were they make it to one. number one that year. Yeah, yeah they, they did. did. And then initial, I want to say like the, the initial playoff. I want to yeah. say the week that they got to number one, they and then just they got, got annihilated. Their, I, yeah. I want to say it was Bama, and Bama won by like forty something. Like just beat the shit out of them. Yeah. I I do think that the Pac-12 thing is interesting because it wouldn't just shock me if Oregon went and laid an egg in Tempe or something. I think they have Arizona State Arizona, in the final game Arizona of the year. State and then uh, Oregon State. Yeah, and the, they're not going to uh, Arizona and the the Arizona and the uh, Oregon State game are at odds, and I wouldn't imagine that they lose either of those games. But I I could maybe buy into them losing in Tempe. I don't know. Maybe that's just me hoping more than anything. I think it just kind of comes down to this, and I think a lot of fans are being honest about it. Like, does OU really deserve to be there? Like, they 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 have to show everyone something sure. in Waco this weekend sure. that we just haven't seen. That's like I was talking to Charleston Rambo about this yesterday. Like, you guys have never really put it all together. Do you think, you know, that you could put it all together this week? Because you almost have to in order... For anyone, even your own fans, to believe that you deserve to be in the playoff this year. I would say the last, I don't know, what do you guys think? Three weeks have been some of the, maybe the most interesting month on the beat in a while, just as far as the takes that are out there. Oh, yeah. The kind of the highs and the lows of low that are out there as far as regarding the Oklahoma football program. It's been fascinating to watch from afar. You know how I always say that the shelf life of coaches is shorter than it's ever been. It's because of weeks like this. When people start questioning Lincoln Riley as a as an offensive mind. It's an interesting I, take. Do you guys know how many people in board chat were asking me, I got it at least three times, if Lincoln Riley should look into hiring a quarterback coach or an OC to be a play caller because he just, it's not working. I mean, are these are these people serious? Do you, are or were they just kind of trolling? Because it is a little funny if you do it the right way. But like, do you think the majority of these people are serious? It just like it. It shows you that he does not. He no longer has Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray as his quarterback. Is what it shows you to me. That's Josh, the, the biggest thing. Did you listen to the post game podcast? I did. I guess I we did. can start with the game as we usually do. But like, is it just as simple as? We are seeing the difference in, I've been kind of harping on this all week as far as it's the difference between elite, maybe the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the history of college football, and just a really good player. Like Jalen Hurts is a really good quarterback, but he's not He's not that guy that I think Oklahoma fans have been conditioned and in a way have just been spoiled to have. Guys, you know, we talked about this after Baker, going into that year with Kyler. Guys, you need to get your minds right. It's not going to look this. Uh, it's not going to look this way. Well, holy hell, Kyler was probably better. Like, okay, that can't happen again. Jalen, what Jalen Hurts is doing is good by any standard in college football. That is not Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Like, is he? I mean, because of Brock Purdy's record, is Jalen Hurts not the unquestioned All Big Twelve quarterback? I don't think there's any doubt. I don't know who else you'd pick. <laughs> right. I mean, there's nobody else even. The apart. fact that I just Ellinger paused is, to yeah. think about it is makes me very sick. Like, I'm a sick individual. <laughs> like that you couldn't, like, that you didn't register? That my mind is so warped right now 
that I ha- I thought to myself, I don't know. And I started like going through the different quarterbacks. I mean, quarterbacks. Brock Purdy is the only other quarterback that can even a, compare. It shouldn't be a question. Like, yeah. Right. He is by far the best quarterback in the conference. And he's nowhere near the last two quarterbacks that Oklahoma's had. I yeah. think it's completely fair. Like, and I mean, it just tells you where things are. Yeah. I mean, it, that, it, it's just the expectation level is absurd. And who does that credit to? Lincoln Riley. Like, so you can't have that both ways. Like, well, God, the quarterback, maybe he should quit this. But, man, he made them so good these last four years. Like, it doesn't work like that. But, yeah, to me, I mean, you have to understand what Jalen Hurts was. And, Kerry, I thought you made a great point in the postgame pod of the difference in these called run plays and the way that's working and not acknowledging that you don't have to do that. And I know, Bob, you kind of followed up on that, too. Like, you don't have to do that because it's going to happen anyway. So let that not be part of things and let, you know, Kennedy Brooks or now Ramondre Stevenson or whoever it's going to be, let them have a few more of those. Stop making the read call and just have it be straight gives so you guys can get them the ball because, you know, and Eddie, I know you were looking for that stat I talked about. On the four touchdown drives, uh, the first four touchdown drives in the first half, Kennedy Brooks had 17 carries. On the two where they did, where they had, they were forced to punt or turn the ball over, there was he had one carry. That's not coincidence. Like you, you have to get that guy the ball. He's way too good, way too effective. And they were averaging. You take Jalen Hurts out of it, they averaged nine point four yards per carry against Iowa State, who's one of the best run defenses in the Big Twelve. Well, and here's the other thing too. And and we talked about this. And we, I know all you guys have talked about it, Eddie. You probably talked about it on the radio. In terms of criticizing Lincoln Riley, and or he's, he locks up under pressure, or he's only good when things go well. Like, I'm, they had 25 yards of total offense in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't Lincoln Riley's fault that they turned the ball over twice and that Jalen Hurts made one of the worst decisions you could make and then CeeDee Lamb gets stripped of the football. Like, they went three and out, and then they turned it over, and then they turned it over. Like, that... I'm sorry. I, I'm. I. If you want to blame somebody, you can't blame Lincoln Riley's play calling. If you want to get down on somebody not handling the pressure, it's not the guy I think you would make this case for. It's the guy we all thought could handle it. It's Jalen Hurts has had several moments mm-hmm. this year where you're like, "What are you doing?" Like yeah. that. That's well, just and remember what I decision. said before the season started. Like I was curious how he was going to handle. You know, going from being a guy that they just tried to uh, in Alabama, they just they wanted him not not really to be a game manager, but they wanted to they did not put the ball in his hands and tell him go win games for us. They ran the ball. They were conservative. They they a lot of play action stuff. But now Jalen Hurts is going to be like he controls the offense. Like the offense doesn't do anything if Jalen Hurts doesn't directed if he's not in charge of it like how is he going to react in pressure situations like that and it and he has he's failed at times I, you know i i think you're th- that's the whole deal i think and you guys talked about it in the pod get, pod i think or the post game pod i think there are two game or two teams that are clearly better than everybody else ohio state and lsu just look a little better than everybody else 
And then I think you're trying to fill in the three and the four and that kind well, of I thing. I think Clemson, Clemson is there reserves. now. I mean, uh, they're they're playing I, a lot better now, and Trevor better. Lawrence is playing better. Clemson it's gets just so points hard for to know because they haven't seen anybody. Exactly. I think that's fair, but I also think at the same time that Clemson should get some kind of credit for not just winning, but they are beating the yeah. shit out of teams. They're doing exactly what you are supposed to do if you're in that situation. That's fair. Like I think Oklahoma would screw around. And only beat uh, Wake Forest by 14 points or something. Like, that would seem very Oklahoma to do. Would you guys say that, look at at Clemson's schedule. I would, I think you could make a very real case Iowa State would be the second best team on their schedule. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, and that's the thing. The ACC is so bad. They are so bad. And that's the thing, like, OU, I think they would do the same thing against those teams. It's just when they get up 42-21 on somebody in the ACC, they would go ahead and be, win 59-21 to because that other yep. team would give up. Yeah, Clemson they puts get their up, foot down on the throat. But what I'm saying is they're not doing that against a good team like Iowa State. Sure. I mean, Iowa State. Or Kansas State. Or, or yeah, I mean, those teams have a little bit of, of – I mean, they have some talent, but they also have really good coaches. Some of the – I mean, like that thing about the Big 12 – they might have the best collection of coaches in the entire country in this in this league. You're not supposed to I bring stu- points up like that. That's <laughs> that that is that is not part of the uh, Big Twelve narrative that yeah. is out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are three coaches in the Big Twelve that are legitimately being discussed for NFL head coaching jobs. Sure. Matt Campbell, Matt Rule, and Lincoln Riley. Absolutely. And I think all three could get a job if they really wanted to make that move. There's no doubt about that. I I, well, I think that's a really are, good point. All three are going to Florida State, so well with I mean, Bob Stoops, well, with Bob Stoops, yeah, what a, a power staff. staff, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, a Art Riles staff. too is going to well, rejoin his somebody son. Somebody should let somebody should let Bob know that Lincoln doesn't need to call plays down there. So maybe he can be you know Matt Campbell's <laughs> quarterback coach or something. Where are we in the world of Florida State today? I'll I'll be honest. I went down the rabbit hole this morning. I I did because you told me how crazy <laughs> it's fascinating. It, was. it is fascinating. Yeah, I did that I was, last night late. Uh, I think before the basketball game, you'd mentioned how crazy it was. I went over there and I got sucked in for a good hour until I was just like, I can't. I have to get away from this now. I have I, to leave. I wanted to. I was driving the girls to school and I see you guys talking about it. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, I was dying to know. Well, here's the, here's the gist of it. Uh, as of yesterday, mid-afternoon, Bob Stoops was a done deal. And they were getting ready to announce it. For the 12th time. For the 12th time. Yeah. Uh, and even our people contacted me to say, hey, we're hearing this. And so then I was like, fine. Like, I'll text Bob again. And uh, so I was like, hey. I, I me hate again. You. I, me again. I hate bothering <laughs> you. But I'm all this chatter's coming back. I just wanted to know if anything's changed. I want to cover my own butt. And uh, he just said, nothing's changed. And so I told our people that, which I don't know why I told them, because I told them he's not interested the first time, and they still (laughs) ran with it like he was the leading candidate, which, look, I understand. I guess it won't stop until the Florida State people actually hear out of Bob's mouth, I am not interested in the Florida State job, because they keep spinning it that he hasn't said no. Well, and he's had opportunities. Here's the thing: they don't understand that this is what he always does. Yeah, he's always been like this. Very like, we know it's no, but somebody that like didn't follow him for 15, 20 years, they don't get it. Well, and here's you know my thinking is like, okay, so Bob says nothing's changed, and these guys seem adamant, and and the administration seems adamant that a deal is imminent, 
And so I'm like, I this is like as I'm going to practice last night. So I'm playing through my head. I was like, okay, well, how do I, I don't want to go out and say that I talked to Bob again. And he said, nothing's changed. Like if all this stuff, if there's all this smoke out there, like, okay. So I'm thinking it through to myself as, as a reporter. I'm like, okay, well, if there was really something going on, Bob could not tell me because he's got commitments. Like he's like Bob Stoops is a, he's an industry all to himself. Like people have left OU to go work for him in Dallas. So, and I'm sure he would have, he has so many entanglements. He has to like, if this is really happening or they're really talking, it's all behind the scenes and the XFL hasn't been told of anything. And like he would have, if he, if they said, okay, $10 million a year for 10 years, like we're going to give you a hundred million dollar contract. If you'll come to Florida state and like, if that was, you know, a reality and that became something like, okay, I got to do this. Like for that much money, I have to do this. Like he would have to tell so many people that he hasn't told yet. So like from that perspective, could I see it happening? Yeah. But what he keeps telling me is that there's no interest there and, and nothing, nothing's changed. So I just think it's more likely like, when does that, like Josh, when does that ever happen? 10 years, $10 million. Like that's, that's so, what Jimbo get down at A and M? Ten for seven? Seventy seven or seventy? I mean, seventy five. So mil. seven and a half a year? Yeah, seven and a half. It I, just the whole thing is weird, Josh. And it's just not like I mean, I respect the hell out of Bob Stoops. They're they're making him something he's not. Yeah. Like they're make they're they're off they're treating this like if we get him we've got Nick Saban. But like what I told you no. guys, though, like he's the one coach where they're like, yeah, he beat us for a national championship. That guy's pretty. like his stock could not be higher with any other school in America because there's only one school he's beaten in a national championship game. Yep. Well, don't get me wrong. He could fix Florida State. Bob, Bob oh, is yeah. a great coach. Like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, like, they they act like in three years he's going to have them win a national titles and. I, I don't see that. Like, that's not. But I mean, like, if you want a guy that's going to write the ship for a few years, and then you know, probably did the same thing that he did at Oklahoma. That's that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, he, he's going to be a good 10, 11 win coach year in and year out. And you know what? He wouldn't. I don't think he's the guy that would sign a ten year deal. I no. I think if he did it, it would be like, okay, I I really enjoyed rebuilding Oklahoma. Let me rebuild Florida State. I, I, I might enjoy rebuilding something. You don't think Bob would want to sign a contract that has him coaching until he's 69? <laughs> no. Shocking. He said he, he was always consistent that he didn't want to be a Bobby Bowden. He didn't want to be a Joe Paterno. Yeah. It's, and that's what he's doing. He he left. He walked away. He's enjoying life. I guess I would... I would and I, I still think it's a it's a funny... Like, the, the entire idea that they're so fixated yeah. on... It's it's like him the, or, and, him the, or bust. and the words done deal have been used so many so times. Much. That's why I find it just so fascinating the way this whole thing's been reported because I don't think that the the Florida State folks are just complete idiots. Like I don't think that they're just they're getting that information from somewhere, right? It's like when someone breaks up with a chick and can't get over them and you're just like, "Dude, she wasn't that great. Like you're going to find somebody else." Like there's not just one woman in the world. Like there's other people you can get. The whole thing just it's it's incredible. It's kind of like I was talking about with basketball. I was talking to you guys about that yesterday. Like, at what point is basketball going to go through its renaissance? Where, like, it, and I think it was after the Bryce Thompson commitment. 
It's like, okay, Bill Self continues to survive, but you have all these old white coaches in basketball, the most hip sport that there is. Like, how does that keep happening? Like, when does when does the youth movement happen in basketball? Like with Lincoln Riley and football and Matt Campbell and I mean all these I mean Sean McVay in the NFL, like where's the youth movement in, in basketball coaching circles? I it just kind of dawned on me while you're introing that on. was I think it, you kind of see it, but it's a little bit different because the assistant coach is so valuable. And I, yeah. I not to say that he's not valuable in football, but because he obviously is. I mean, look at the really good staffs out there. They're all they're all very good from top to bottom. But I would say even more so in college basketball because in a way you're only dealing with two or three guys a year. So you can really kind of focus in on those guys mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Bob, you probably follow it. You definitely follow it more closely than I do as far as basketball side of things. Yeah, I mean, it's just those assistant coaches are so locked in because they don't have as many players that they have to go for. And that's why I was a little leery when Chris Crutchfield left, how that would impact things. It seems like OU will be okay. And I'm sure there's some that think if Crutch would have stayed, maybe Bryce Thompson would have picked the Sooners. I don't think it would have changed anything. But that's the type of relationships that get built between assistant coaches and high school basketball players. It's incredibly deep. By the way, the the whole thing about Bryce Thompson, we talked about this too. Like, is he going to sign with them early? You know, this, that. Like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't because really matter. If that thing goes as bad as it possibly could, like, the NCAA is going to say, yeah, you guys can go wherever you want. Like, no restrictions. The intriguing thing will, is how do OU and OSU approach the rest of this? Do they start looking for their other guys or do they keep waiting waiting, waiting to, to see if something's going to go down? In a way, you almost have to like do a little bit of sleuth work on your own, don't you, to see like mm-hmm. how how deep is this Kansas thing and then you then you kind of branch out from there, I guess. Maybe try and uh get some Federal investigators on the phone, give them some fake info. I want to know what those discussions between Bryce Thompson and Jeff Long were about. I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Was, was Jeff Long the, like, hey, you know, when I had that statement that I released about Snoop Dogg, <laughs> I hired the strippers myself, <laughs> and I f***ed one of them. <laughs> Her name was Ginger. <laughs> had to go there. Uh, it is weird though that whole I I it's not weird that he committed or signed with Kansas it's just weird that did so with the knowledge that there could be an investigation like there is going to be an investigation not even that there could the, be one isn't underway yeah sure and and that might just tell you the type of trust that you know Rod Thompson has in Bill Self when it comes when yeah. it gets down to it I mean he coached the guy or he, he played for the guy. So. Or you could believe it's not going to happen in the next oh, yeah. 12 months or so. Sure. And if you believe you're a one and done, Absolutely. you're in and out before anything Absolutely. happens. Absolutely. And knowing the way that the NCAA works, uh, that thing will get wrapped up in 2025. Maybe Bryce Thompson's kid oh. will be affected by it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as far as Bill Self goes and just picking him, even with us, I mean, people go to prison, but they still get visitors. People still love you when you go to prison. Maybe that's part of the, uh, maybe that was part of the Snoop Dogg plan. He hooks you up with uh, advice on how to build a shank. That and conjugal visits. Mm-hmm. A little protection on the inside. Absolutely. 
So anyway, but Sooners do uh, they do announce the signing today of Bob. Trey Phipps, and I know that doesn't get a lot of people excited because he's on the same team as Bryce Thompson. But you know, Phipps is a real nice story. Just a kid that was committed to Tulsa for almost two years, basically. It just looked like as much as he wanted to be a Sooner, it's just never going to happen. And it really started, I think, with the state championship game where 42 points, made a threes, MVP of the tournament. And that carried over to AAU season where he was phenomenal and where he's sort of doing what Austin Reeves is trying to do now, become known as more than just a shooter. Because everyone knew Trey Phipps could shoot, but now he's starting to get stronger. He's starting to play defense better. As he becomes a better all-around player, his stock went up and... You know, he, the first day that you could visit a campus again was August 1st, and Trey was in Norman and told Lon right then and there, I want to be a Sooner. Of course, his dad, Conley, played for the Sooners back in the 80s. So, real nice story. Now we'll see if he can become a real nice player, too. By the way, you mentioned Austin Reeves. Uh, what a start he's having to the season so far. Especially last night. That was the first night where you saw, oh, that's the guy that can shoot like that. He was taking he was Trey Young in it a little real bit. Yeah. deep ones, and the confidence was there. He knew he could stroke it. He had five threes last night. He got going. Christian Doolittle gotten going. Now it's time to get Davion Harmon. He's spent the last two games down the stretch on yeah. uh, on the bench. Yeah. He had 0. 0.0 assists yesterday. So for someone who looked so good you mean this morning. In the season opener, kind of hit a little bit of a downtime, a downspurt here these last two games. Let's see if he can get going. They have two home games next week, so it's going to be a busy week in Norman. I will say from the part I could stay awake to watch last night, I saw that slam by uh, Kuoth. It was just like, oh my god, that guy's just he's long, ridiculous. They got a lot of size on athleticism out the ass. Every player except for uh, Davion Harmon over six five, right? Yep. You just look at him, and I think I've even mentioned I've mentioned it on the podcast before. But the first day of practice, we went out there, and it's like, holy shit! This this looks like a basketball team. It just it it it, it should be exciting. I you know the Big Twelve is going to be really good, uh, but you know to say that this team's going to finish in eighth, I think is probably still a little. Uh, I guess low for them. I, I think they'll do better than that. I want somebody to get so triggered that they demand a re-ranking before conference play of the 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 preseason poll. Well, it's just going to be: do they fall apart again? They've the yeah. two good resume building wins with Minnesota, South Dakota, and then Oregon State and Portland. That's what Kruger's done. That's what this team has done the last couple of years: go on the road, go neutral site, beat Power Five teams. Yeah. Get your resume going, so we're big. 12, I mean, my God, they're afforded a loss or two. Their NCAA resume already looks awesome. Like it they, does. they've beaten two good teams. Here's a hot take, and I don't even know if it's a hot take because they've been so bad. But I bet this team triples its road win total in conference play. I think they've won like one or two in the last two years on yeah, the road. Hadn't been good. I bet they triple. Not it. been pretty. I uh, want to remind you guys that MidFirst Bank is the title sponsor for the Unofficial 40 podcast, and they got a special offer for you. Uh, you can earn over $150 in bonuses on the OU credit card uh, by spending $1,000 in the first 90 days on your account. Uh, so, uh, yeah, free money. Go to midfirst.com slash U40. That's midfirst.com slash U40. 
they are the exclusive provider of the OU credit card. You can apply. has a little button says you click on it, says apply now. You can get that uh, OU credit card. So every time you take it out of your wallet, uh, everybody sees that you're a big OU fan. Uh, also, every time you uh, make a, a purchase, you will qualify uh, and you're entered for a chance to win the ultimate game day experience, uh, which earns you a chance to win the ultimate game day experience with VIP tickets to a football or basketball game. Plus, you get 500 bucks. also 0%. Uh, APR for the first year. It's the uh, OU credit card, OU credit rewards credit card, only from MidFirst Bank. Go go uh, sign up now, midfirst.com slash U40. All right, so uh, there's a lot of just just kind of newsy stuff floating around out there. Josh, I know you had the, the Oklahoma uh, early this morning, and uh, I think we've all gotten sick of people asking Lincoln Riley about what he's going to do for a 2020 quarterback. Uh, but something has happened that might just uh, have a quarterback landing in OU's lap. Uh, yeah, the you know for those living under a rock, Arkansas fired Chad Morris. Well, what? What happened? Mm. Yeah, I mean it's going so well. It was a real shock to the system. Uh, if if a guy like that can't keep his job, who the hell can? Um, <laughs> but no, Chad Morris was fired. His son was one of Oklahoma's. I, I believe it was three quarterback offers in the 2020 class, uh, DJ Ukulele and Bryce Young as well, um, and was the guy that you always felt like, okay, maybe there's a real chance there after Bryce Young went away. I'm sorry, I forgot about Drew Pine, the Notre Dame commitment. Um, but it just it, it felt like it didn't matter. He, he was going to go to Arkansas. He was going to go play for his dad, who's got a big reputation as an offensive guy. But the wheels just came off at Arkansas, and I think we all saw the writing on the wall for a few weeks now. And Arkansas made the move. He announced his decommitment uh, last night. Was it last night? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Bob, I've always got to have you there for those kind of <laughs> checks and balances. Um, but I had heard as soon as Sunday, like when the news started to break that Chad had been fired, I checked with a few people, and there was zero hesitation. He, he has a spot at Oklahoma. Uh, I think they wanted to, you know, really, before getting too far with down the road with Chandler Morris, they wanted to talk with the Vandegrifts. They wanted to kind of explain, not, and you know, people are gonna say, oh, they gotta run their program. You know, don't, don't get like that. It's not like that. They weren't saying, well, we're not gonna do this if Brock's not happy. They just wanted the kid to understand where they were coming from. They, 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 I mean, we can all see it. There's a very real scenario where without a quarterback in this 2020 class or a grad transfer or a JUCO guy or something, they were going to have one scholarship quarterback next year. And yep. that, that's just not a tenable situation. So I think they were – and I've had a chance to talk with um, Brock's dad, Greg, a little bit today. And, I, you know, they had that conversation. He and Lincoln Riley and he and Brock had the chance to kind of sit down. And I think the Vandegrifts are – very okay with this. Probably more okay with this than the Caleb Williams visit from a month or so ago. Um, this this is something, you know, Brock's dad's the head coach of his high school. He understands how these things work. Hell, he just had his starting quarterback go down. He knows how quickly it can go bad at that position. And so I don't think there was any animosity. I don't think there was any concern. I, and they know. I mean, they know that in 2022 and 2023, Oklahoma's going to try and go get another five-star that can come beat out Brock. I mean, that that's they get that that's the way this all works. So I don't think there's any problem, and I think it's going to be full steam ahead that Oklahoma's going to go try and make Chandler Moore if they're 2020 quarterback. I guess my, my question then, Josh, it, it makes sense, right? You're going to use a scholarship for, for Morris. We just had 
Crawford announced he's going into the portal. You lose another scholarship. Where where you think, you know, now that you're going to go with perhaps a 2020 quarterback, where does that take away from what they might do at some of the other positions? You know, it's hard to say because, I mean, guys, we could sit here and spitball it. I could see three or four more transfers in the secondary. Right? That secondary could bleed a lot before it's all said and done. So I, I just, to me... I feel like every year, and Bob, this only sort of answers your questions, but I feel like every year Oklahoma gets so worried. Oh, we're gonna the eighty-five is gonna be a problem. Eighty-five is gonna be a problem. I can remember one year in the, like the last decade that OU was at eighty-five when the start of the season began. Like stuff just happens. Guys transfer. They get homesick. They they realize they're not gonna play. I mean, Jaquelin Crawford's a perfect example. Jaquelin Crawford's talent is not his problem. I mean, if he. I feel like from people I've talked to, if he had just bought in and was willing to do the work that he needed to do and kind of take some of the advice that was there for him, he would be in probably a very similar situation to Jaden Davis. Right. right He'd be, He'd be the be fourth corner. Yep. Yeah. Like, th- there's no question. They, uh, I, From everybody I talked to, his talent is beyond question. It just was a situation where I just don't know that he bought in. And that's not it just at DB. That's a receiver. That was a continual problem. And it's you see it sometimes with small-town guys that have never faced athletes as good as they are. Can you push yourself to be that kind of guy? And it sounds like that was a problem. Kind of, um, you're kind of painting a yo, picture that they didn't necessarily try to stop him from entry into the portal. I, I, well, I he kind of put knew. himself there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think they knew it, it wasn't it, the right fit. It even almost sounds like, a change of position was more so uh let's see if we can give you a new lease on life let's try and get you to reinvest yourself into what you're doing oh exactly i mean coming out of high school eddie i thought he was the star and jalen robinson was the other oh guy. i i remember the uh i remember the night they played in that state championship he game was phenomenal. and we were, we were in the you know scoop dm group like holy shit this guy is like really good touchdowns he was, yeah did everything OU gloves he was, did everything he did everything you know, and to me, if I'm Crawford, I'm looking myself in the mirror and saying, if I can't get on the field with this group in the secondary, I'm doing something wrong. Like something's not right here, and I just don't know why that can't process. But to get back to the actual topic we're discussing, sorry, I got kind of far afield there. With with the quarterback situation, I I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't see it be in the secondary. I think you might look at the defensive line and say. You know, because, I mean, I think there is an accounting you have to have right now of, okay, maybe it's Reggie Grimes, maybe it's DeAndre Butler. But if you don't get Reggie Grimes, do you have to have DeAndre Butler? I don't know. Maybe you see it that way. He's plenty good. On the defensive line, the only two guys that I know have a spot are Reggie Grimes and Alfred Collins. If they want to come, they're in. That's fine. And then in the secondary, you're still seeing new offers going out. They brought in Dominique Hill this weekend. We can get into that a little bit. But, I mean... Oklahoma is turning over every rock in that secondary, right? Because they know it's probably not over as far as guys heading on to greener pastures. And then, uh, Josh, you know, for people that are listening tomorrow, this might be old news, but we did have eyes that went up this morning. Yeah. Um, I had put something up on the board, I guess, Friday when I was on my way up to see Kamar Wheaton. And, you know, it's our, our roughing GIF, which is basically I've heard enough to, that, that I'm surprised Lincoln Riley hasn't tweeted eyes out, but I'm going to put it out before he does because I need attention and love. <laughs> um, but, no, the, 
it's the same guy. It's all connected. It's it's not like there's two things on the horizon. This is what I'm expecting to happen. It's you know, and I, I mean, let's be real, guys. We've got stories ready to run. We've been waiting on this for a few days now. Um, <laughs> not only do we have stories ready to run, we have we probably need to go back in and edit them, edit them. to make <laughs> sure that it's more as it's it's just, just as same, timely yeah. because the ta- I, the days have passed. Their I'm ages may have changed by now. <laughs> I'm a little concerned that on one of the segments I p- actually put in Friday, and I need to go back and make sure <laughs> that I'm not attributing this commitment happening on Friday. So, uh, you know, and, and it's I, it's a good one for Oklahoma. It, it's a guy that, um, you know, I said in Oklahoma, I don't know if anybody that you know there's an OU fan right now is capable of happiness right? in this world. I think they're just miserable right now, and that's. I get it. I mean, like it's, it's that's to the be life understood of a, fan. a little bit. Yeah, it's the life of a fan. I'm not down on anybody for it, but it, it's a good one. It helps Oklahoma. They'll be better for it. Um, and I think everybody wanting defensive commitments, those days are coming. They're coming, but it's just that that's the reality. No, I it's mean, not. Grinch is the new thumbs. Oh Lord, is it thumbs or fums? I've always been confused. Ooh, we need, be we need to way. ask who started it and say how. How does they pronounce what is it? it? If it's if was it matter though? If it fums, I mean, or F U M S? Oh, it doesn't. It's like D N C E. It dance. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. I guess if, if you think fums is a Z at the end. Fums. <laughs> maybe fums. Yeah, maybe it's. Fums. Well then, John, let's just close out this this chapter. You can talk more about Hill's visit. You know, had a chance to talk with him a little bit, and just some people that were around oh, him on the visit, and D- I demand too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess we should start with the five star because I know that's where everybody's <laughs> going to want to talk about. So we'll start there. Uh, Demond Demoss. I mean, uh, you know, the thing that I, I've known the kid since pretty early on. He was a big time guy, even as a sophomore. Uh, everybody around Houston kind of knew him, so I, I've met him at some camps and been around him a little bit, and. He's just kind of a fun-loving, kind of goofy guy, you know, just kind of always into something. And um, I, I was interested to see how the visit was going. I thought he might be the kid that was a little aloof and kind of, oh, he just hung out in his hotel room and we didn't see much of him. And, you know, just kind of just a guy that wasn't engaged. But I, talking to people, I, I thought everybody around campus loved him. I mean, just it sounded like he did all the stuff. He wasn't, you know, a turkey. There wasn't anything weird going on. He came, checked out what OU had to see, and he's probably going to sign with Texas A&M. You know, there, there's no hard feelings about it. It's just the way it went. And, you know, uh, to to get into the Twitter uh, conversation, you know, OU shot their shot. They, they took their chance, and he's not coming. But it, it was a good it, – it was worth – it was a worthy attempt because he is – I've said before, I, I could make the case for Jaden Hazelwood maybe being a better prospect, but – He's as good as any of the three OU signed last year, maybe better. I mean, he really is an outstanding talent. Um, now, Dominic Hill, the uh, South Carolina commitment um, from Florida that came in, I I think that went very well. I think it's a matter of right now OU trying to, like Bob and I were talking about a little bit earlier, figuring out the numbers game. Do they have the numbers to take him right now? Is he a guy that is, we're going to take him and we still feel comfortable t- you know, having the room to take Dante Manning and Josh Eaton, who are their two top priorities at corner right now, which is where I'm told they want to have uh, Dominic Hill play. He, they see him as a corner. I don't know that I believe that. I think he's one of the – I, as I watch what OU's doing more and more, 
I think there is some element of we're going to kind of bring everybody in as corners and then work them out to safety as we see fit. Like, Because there's just no way all these guys are going to play corner. It just doesn't work out that way. And I think Oklahoma knows in the Big 12 they need safeties that can cover. So if it's a guy that, okay, you know, Dominic Hill's 6'1", 180, he can slide to safety pretty easily considering OU's two starters currently average about <laughs> 185 and 5'10". So, I mean, you know, they're going to be fine there. So I, I think that's kind of what you're seeing happening is you're getting a lot of these guys that they are determining, okay, we like you at corner, you could play some nickel, if all else doesn't work out, we can slide you to safety and you're big enough and physical enough to handle that. Hey, every week we tell you guys about SeatGeek and all the great deals you can get on your uh, tickets. And, of course, Baylor coming up this weekend. I want you guys to know that uh, they are there for you. Go download the SeatGeek app. Uh, go to SeatGeek.com and uh, use the promo code uh, SCOOP for $10 off your purchase. I know this weekend tickets are going to be a little bit more at Baylor, but... Uh, I'm looking at the SeatGeek app right now, and lots of selections from general admission berm uh, to seats in the $100 range. So not ridiculous, but not a whole lot left. So you want to make sure you download that app. Uh, enter the promo code SCOOP to get $10 off because SeatGeek, uh, they rate each each ticket deal on a scale of 1 to 10 to show you what the best deals are. Uh, right there in the app, it shows you if it's a great deal. Uh, if it's uh, uh, an okay deal or uh, anything else from 1 to 10, so you know what you're getting before you buy it. Uh, also, I've got the, the app on my phone. I use it for concerts, Thunder games. Uh, so anything you want to use it for. It doesn't just have to be OU football games. Uh, and when you download that app, it also uh, links up to your other apps like Spotify. So you have it has an idea of what you are interested in as far as concerts or other sporting events, uh, just to make it real easy to find tickets to uh, whatever you're interested in. So uh, thanks to SeatGeek for being a great sponsor of the Unofficial 40 podcast. And uh, go download that app today. And remember, use that promo code SCOOP for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right. Uh, I want to get back into some Baylor talk. Um, for sure. We did. Um, I saw Baylor just tweeted out the hmm, the uh, the uh, college game day bus coming in. Um Baylor's I've been on that show. Oklahoma. Ever heard of it? Yeah, I have. I saw the appearance. Wow. Actually. Your appearance is still on demand. Is it? Yes. Beautiful. Haven't been contacted <laughs> this week. I don't think I'm going to be on it. Here, I can. This is a perfect segue into uh, team talk, and we'll transfer it from the DeMoss talk. Is that how you say it? DeMoss? That's how I've been saying yeah. it. DeMoss. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I've been saying it. Why would a five-star wide receiver come to Oklahoma if he's just going to ride the bench like Jaden Hazelwood? Boom. Team talk. <laughs> Is that straight from the board? No, that's straight from my mouth. That's straight from me, too. Because you got to oh, yeah. remember, and Josh, I, I never got a real chance to ask you the context of what they said on TV. To say those three freshmen are close seems weird when Jaden Hazelwood was playing the majority, not the majority, but the most snaps of any of those three during the first five games, and then he, like, fell off a cliff after not playing against Texas. So to say they're close, I I didn't know how to read into that because Hazelwood was a lot closer than close during the first half of the season. I wouldn't have thought anything of it if uh, Heward, is Heward... I always want to say Heward. Brock Heward, Heward, yeah. Yeah, Heward 
said, he goes, Lincoln Riley thinks he's, you know, at least one of these three freshmen is really going to take off here down the stretch. Like, he's ready to have a – I mean, like, he credited it to Lincoln. Like, it wasn't a I'm, I saw them I'm gonna say Bridges. I like them. I'm going to say so, Bridges. Well, Bridges did Bridges, catch a Bridges, touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's the guy that seems to be seeing an uptick in his play. Like, he's getting more time. He did – I mean, he's been getting snaps consistently. He just wasn't yep. being targeted. More than anyone. Right. Well – Guys, and go back well, and look at that touchdown. Nobody gets targeted if you're not CD Lamb. So, I, I broke it down in. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I, I'm actually about to argue with this without even realizing I was gonna. Go back and look at that touchdown to Bridges. Where the hell else was Jalen Hurts going to go with the ball? You had two guys to his left. I believe it was Lamb and Basquin that just ran quick outs that are basically out of the play. Like they're yeah. they're not even going to turn a first down. And then on the upside, it looks like A.D. Miller's just blocking. <laughs> like I don't know what A.D. Miller was doing. I don't know if he got the wrong call, but like he's not running a route. He's engaged with the corner, and so it's Trajan Bridges, basically the only damn guy in the end zone that isn't trying to cut the corner. Um, so I I don't know what that play was other than. We're going to throw the ball to Trajan Bridges, and if it doesn't work, Jalen, guess what? You get to run, buddy. <laughs> what was it I saw? It was like a Western Michigan play where they had a almost like a ninja formation, and one of the guys was an offensive lineman, and they snapped the ball, and he started jumping up and down. Oh, that was... And then he did a somersault. Yeah, that was last night. Was Akron. that last yes. night? Akron yeah. against yes. Western Michigan? Well, Maction. It's awesome. Maybe that's what A.D. Miller was doing. But I'm still in shock that he caught a ball on he's November. He's on the field more than Jaden and Theo. I know. That whole thing is just strange. Criminal. Where it's Derek criminal. Stingley's making plays left and right. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I ain't got to stop talking because I get a little weird when it comes to that. Get pissed off. Say do it. <laughs> Call somebody it out. Just doesn't, it just doesn't compute to me that. If, like, if, it's, if it's the blocking thing, I understand that. Uh, the I understand it, but, I mean, they're not... The only way to get better, I guess, in my opinion, is just getting out there. Uh, the you know, did they have to waste a time or burn a timeout in Manhattan because he lined up in the wrong uh, wrong spot, Hazelwood? That's what people are saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean that kind of stuff. It's like okay, I mean I get it, but at the same time, aren't at the same time it just I, I feel like you're giving up so much by not having him out there. Like one, they one can, mistake, he can make plays. That's it. And that, that's why I asked about Cradell and Washington, and then it seemed like Lincoln. And I think that's an interesting point, Bob, the, as far Lincoln as what they're doing them at safety. All in, basically, just that all these young guys are on the verge. So yeah, I don't know if that really answered. Well, I mean, and the, but the, so the answer is to throw them out in the biggest game of the year. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, we thought maybe it was it started with Texas because we were like, okay, well, it's a it's a bigger game, and, and, it's a, and yeah, it's and a Lincoln, Lincoln can kind of you know he he tends to kind of shrink his roster in really big games, so it was it didn't seem like all that big of a deal. But ever since then, it hasn't it, he hasn't evolved. Like he was making such progress early in the season, and he'd get the ball, and he'd make really big plays, and he made some runs. You're like, wow, that's a man. That's not a kid. Like Kerry can't say he's going to get a hundred yards anymore. Can't be the game. game I know. <laughs> well, I'm out of the game prediction business. You've retired. You know, you've canceled. Yeah. You've canceled yourself on game predicts. I've canceled myself. Yeah. The, the week we that I cancel, took it away from culture. The week I took it away from Kerry, it all went downhill for Jaden Hazelwood from there. So I may be to blame. Yeah, for Josh somebody. did. He did jinx it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Stealing yeah, my had, prediction. He had six catches against Texas Tech and hasn't had hasn't had a catch since, since. West Virginia. Yeah. 
Although and, almost uh, the, the same is almost true for Charleston Rambo and every other receiver on the roster. Well, I mean, except for CD Lamb. It, it, yeah, it's not the ball's not being spaced out very much. <laughs> Charleston Rambo has had a bigger presence in this offense the last couple of weeks than Grant Calcaterra, and Grant Calcaterra <laughs> hasn't even suited out. Yeah, you talked to him the, last night about that, though, didn't you, Charleston Rambo? Uh, yeah, he said he's frustrated that uh, I. I mean. He, he clearly wants the ball a little bit more. And even when he gets it now, it's those short passes yeah. that don't do anything. Well, they, had not... him, they had him deep on Saturday, and Hurts overthrew him, didn't they? Yep. It was towards yep. the north end zone, and that would have been one of those plays that, looking back on it, it's kind of like, uh, like settling for field goals against Kansas State. You never know. That might change the complexion of a game if you score uh, right out of halftime like that. Or they'll say, hey, he dropped the Basquin pass that could have been a touchdown at kansas state yeah by the way there's uh it does kind of i don't know i it doesn't fill my heart with joy but i do like it when fans are frustrated and they're not as long as they're not coming after us but like <laughs> when they cut co- when they start going after each other that's when i kind of find it enjoyable because you kind of can kind of sit back and relax a little bit you like civil wars don't I you? i do uh eddie said that he doesn't care like you said early after the game like you didn't care about the narrative of the fans leaving early it's just strange to me they were up by 21 if i was a student my ass would have been gone i'd already been at the bars but uh, so you're up 21 what points about, in the what fourth about quarter not, i'm not talking about the students though I mean, what about the? I mean, that place was half empty. They're up twenty-one in the fourth quarter. But it's against Iowa night. State, and they'd never been up by more than fourteen. Like they weren't going to say anybody who knew anything about football knew they weren't going to win that game by twenty-one. Iowa State's too good of a team. I think a lot of people look at Iowa State, and I kind of look at it through the same lens. I know everybody likes to say, "Oh, they're a good football team." They're five and four. They're a five and yeah, four. Yeah, but they never team. lose. They they sure they, I know. What I has know. it been since? Matt Campbell. Since 2017. We talked there, about it yeah, on the unofficial. They never lost a game by 14 by points. By 14 points. Oklahoma, Washington, and uh, Iowa State have not lost a game by 14 points or more since 2017. I understand that. But the average fan out there that brought little Susie that's <laughs> eight years old isn't going to stay around when, forgot to bring when their coat. OU <laughs> is up three touchdowns. Like, there's no reason why they should let a team like that into the ball, back into the ball game. And they, they also got help. I mean, they turned the ball over twice. And, right. I mean, everybody knows the, the score there. But, but the I get people, it. But isn't, it's, 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 isn't it a fail if you leave a game and that your team loses? Oh, like, they on, almost lost that's, it's, that game. It's not the fans' fault. One they, play it's away not the, from losing. It's not the fans' fault that they f***ed themselves in the fourth quarter, but though. That, I mean, that, that shows me that you're not a good fan. If you leave a game that your team ends up losing... Because you thought it was over? They're up 21 with 15 minutes left. They're up 14 with no, they were. six well, minutes left. No, they were. Well, yeah, they were. With it, but they were up four. They were going to score. Like three and a half minutes they were up. The, I rewatched the. I saw the replay the other day. That game looked like it was out of hand, and then they called that bogus pass interference penalty on Deshaun White that when Brees Hall was running a wheel route out of the backfield, sure. and they ended up going down and scoring... And it was the fir- what first play of the fourth quarter when they scored. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm usually the last person to stick up for the fans, but I get it. I understand. I get it. Now, is it is it preferable or is it what you would want out of a fan base? Probably not. No, but it's to, not. But my thing is that narrative never comes about 
if OU wins that game by two touchdowns. No. If they don't turn the ball over, that shit is never brought up. But here's what I don't understand. You have so few games. Like No, I, I get like, it. Like, we spent, you guys know this, our board in, uh, as soon as spring football is over, all of June, all of July, most of the posts are about, I wish football was back. I can't, I'm, sure. I'm so sick of no football. I can't wait till football gets here. And then it gets here and and half the people leave. Like, those people in that stadium, they all feel the same way. They're not on our board. I'm sure, no, I mean, I, not I all of it. them. But, I mean, like, you have six opportunities to see a game. And Iowa State is one of the best games that you'll get to see all year. And so you leave with four minutes left to go in the third quarter? I get it. I, I understand. I completely understand. I understand both sides of you it. Know who, I just, you know who's really pissed about it, though, but doesn't want to say? It's Lincoln Riley. He was. Oh, he he kind of did. He was asked about it uh, Monday during his press conference, and uh, boy, I mean, it's 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 our job as coaches and players that we we got to play to our level no matter what. I mean, that's that is certainly our job, and I would never put that on our fans or anybody else's fans or any atmosphere, or any stadium. Now. The flip side of that, like I've said up here many times, we have a one of the great stadiums in America. We have one of the great fan bases in America. And when it's rocking in there, does our team feel that? Hell yeah, they do. And when it's not, do they feel that? Hell yeah, they do. Yep. <laughs> not happy. <laughs> that yep at the end. Yep. Listen. Yep. yep. That's a that's a mole shoe. That's, very, I'm yeah. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Actually, check that. <laughs> that's I'm a really dad pissed. Thing, yeah. No, it it I I get it, and it's not the best look. Like it 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 just isn't, especially when a fan base. And I understand there's gonna be people mad, but bitches and complains about 11 a.m. games every yeah. week. Yeah. And you get your night game, and then you say it's like saying. Um, I don't know. It's like wanting to go to a party or something, and you've been looking forward to it for forever, and then mm -hmm. you stay for an hour, and it's like, oh, I got to go home. Yeah. And all your buddies have, haven't seen you in a month. Yeah. Because you had a kid. Sure. It just, it, it, I don't know. It, it wasn't the best of looks that you could possibly have, but I think it's also very convenient to bring it up when the game went like it did, when in reality, it's... There was no excuse for letting them back in the game like they did. I I don't know. I I don't know if we really want to delve back into it, but just the fourth quarter collapse. <laughs> Terrible. It still pisses me off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean it was awful. Was there anything Josh that you could just like it just felt like they were going to let them back into it. And I don't know if it's like there's been so much talk this week about um you know the the missed tackling and you talked to Kenneth Murray and it's it's they j just lost focus. Like, how, I just don't understand how that happens when you know going into that game, and I, I know that they probably don't think about this out on the field, but you know you have to play well. You know you have to not just win, but win convincingly to make a statement in this bullshit race of a college football playoff. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me that it almost looks like an excuse looking back on it that, that, these guys are, you know, the, the the coaches and the players talk about. Beatabo was pissed off about it. I felt like last night talking about, and it's kind of just the struggle of being a college coach. I think of getting guys to understand when you're up 21, like you got to step on the throat when you get a chance. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, and and that was the thing 
that it's that, that's to me, you know, Eddie, you said uh, it felt like the whole time Iowa State could get back in this. It's because every time OU had a chance to put them away, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. And it, it could be one bad play, it could be a bad drive. You know, Iowa State comes right out of the half, goes right down the field, just walks down the field and scores. And you're like, okay. And then, you know, it, it just every chance they had to really put Iowa State just too far just they never could quite get away from three touchdowns which seems like a lot but Iowa State's a good offensive team I mean that's a team that that's one of the better offenses oh you will see this year with one of the better quarterbacks they'll face this year and you just can't give them that time and especially you know you think about the CeeDee Lamb fumble that does never happen the Jalen Hurts interception not to say that it never happens but it was a just a horribly bad decision that you wouldn't expect him to repeat so some of that stuff is self-inflicted. I will say, watching the defense, and I, you guys, I think somebody had read me tweet something about it, but it's what I saw. Almost every mistake was a guy trying to do too much. You'd see a guy come in motion and two guys follow him. Like, There's no way that that guy didn't know his assignment. Like He just got caught watching something he shouldn't have been watching, and he follows the motion. Like They hit Brees Hall on that, that uh, swing pass up the sideline, and Deshaun White had just followed an entirely different action away from the ball, and it left him just running free. Yeah, not- and, and and you saw – I mean, I can think of three or four examples where guys would just follow the motion man. And, and I saw like, – What are you doing? I, I think I saw more people confused before the snap maybe than I have all year. Like, I remember there was one time Buki, Buki was running around. Uh, you saw a lot of people on coverage, like somebody would go in motion – and then, you know, when they would, would get set, like you saw like a DB, like a corner and a safety kind of arguing with each other over, you know, what the coverage was. Like, and you you haven't really seen a whole lot of that. I, I guess my question just overall on that would be what happened after that West Virginia game that, like, if, if you get overconfident, that's one thing. But I don't think the, the natural reaction of that would be to start messing up coverages and to be missing tackles, like, what what happened in that week before Kansas State that this defense basically just, it's night and day different from what they did for six weeks. Did, like, Alex Grinch just go complete, like, crazy and now? Because of takeaways. Now they didn't get any takeaways. Yeah, in, I mean, like, nuts. did he just go? Is, did he <laughs> Brought turn in Mike into, Stoops as a guest speaker. That's what I'm saying. Like, did he go in, like, now they're having PTSD and they think Mike Stoops is their coach again or something and now they're all freaking it out? Just, it does. It, it kind of blows my mind. Like, I I can't even come up with a conspiracy theory good enough to, to give a reason why they've played so bad over the last two weeks. And the... The energy level just out on yeah, the field the thing you notice the is most. just like they're walking. They're lethargic. It just it doesn't make sense to me that you're supposed to be making this run towards a fifth straight Big 12 title and a possible college football playoff when you know that you need to play well. You know you're under the microscope. You know what is interesting, though, I think, it is, and it's noticeable, is uh, I think some of the substituting uh, substitutions have lessened. Oh, yeah. yeah. Asamoah did. He yeah. played on special teams. He never played at like, line at linebacker. So maybe maybe the coaches are tight too, along with the players. Uh, and I guys, haven't I mean, thought about it that way, but that might be a good point. I mean, this is the first time that, as a staff, that defense is going through this, you know, week to week schedule of the Big Twelve. And not to say that, you know, the Big Twelve offenses are anything that they have been in the past years, but 
Maybe there is something to that. With the exception of Patrick Fields, who I'm pretty sure is going through and like, you know, like the the guy that buys all the newspapers that are terrible about him and like burns <laughs> them and keeps them. He's burning all the tape of that game. Like Patrick Fields want, wants to of pretend the that State never game? happened. Uh, no, the Iowa State I, game. Uh, okay. I, Patrick yeah. Fields was bad. I mean, bad, bad. Um, but Deshaun White was not much better. Deshaun White, I yeah, he's you, been surprisingly average this year. Yeah, go back through the season and think of the play Deshaun White made that you're like, oh man, that that's a, that's a do. Almost anybody else, like Leron Stokes, had one against Iowa State where that was a great play there near sure. the goal line where he split that double. By the way, where did, um, where's Ryan Jones? Is he a missing person? Is he on a milk carton? Well, he's he's with, going he's, in and out with Buki, and they're going more toward the dime than they are toward trying to get bigger. And against a team running two and three tight ends at almost every snap, it why the hell strange. would Ryan Jones be out there over Buki? Like Buki should have gotten maybe five snaps in this game. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I'm not one that's down on Buki. I think Buki has his uses, but not in that game. Like, whenever Buki would cramp up, then they would put Jones in. But for the majority, it, they just stayed with Buki. And then, like I said, they would play dime and bring Broyles in. More than anything else, you get the third down, it's not okay. It's dime time. After the last two weeks, did we underestimate, in a way, just what the loss of John Michael Terry was? I don't think so. I mean, but maybe. I mean, that you know, Jalen Redmond has regressed. He's he's not been able to set an edge. Jalen Redmond hasn't even really been on the field. Now, he's going to get a hell of an opportunity the next couple of weeks without Kenneth Mann, right? Yeah. Isaiah Thomas and Redmond should be the two that see their time pick up. And that's, I did want to ask Josh, have you seen anything with Redmond as you go back and watch him? No. I mean, and I can say that as far as I'm not noticing him. Okay. He's not doing yeah. anything that catches my eye. Um, but, I mean... Guys, you just start looking at these snap totals, and all of a sudden, the stuff that we talked about early in the season is going out the window. Yep. Sean White got 63 snaps. Ronnie yep. Perkins got 60 snaps. Uh, Brendan Radley Howell's got 65. Der- Delaron Turner Yale got 71. Yeah, that Kenneth shit wasn't Murray happening had early. 75. Isn't well, that now, exactly what we talked about? But now, Kenneth Murray like is his snap totals have been consistently high, along with Pat Fields and, and Delarian Turner. Once, yeah, Brian Mead, once Brian Mead didn't do well when Murray was banged up against oh, Kansas, yeah. Kenneth Murray has not left the field unless it's a blowout. I mean, but with all that, I mean, you have some young linebackers. Behind, like, I don't even care if it's a matter of we're going to put Brian Osamoa in here and then slide Deshaun White to Mike. If your policy is rotating players and you've got three guys you're comfortable with, you've got to find a way to get Murray some rest. It feels, well, it's kind of like it's they only play Neville in in um, Q Q Overton yeah. now. They don't ever play uh, Dylan Fahamatu. But they, that's not they, the worst decision. <laughs> they they still get Stokes. They still get Redmond. They wouldn't not without man. I think Isaiah Thomas will come back into the fold. I, Stripling sees sees time. It seems like defensive line does the best job of doing what they said they would do throughout the entire season. Yeah, they'll throw those three. They'll throw. They'll rotate three at a time usually, uh, and that's. I mean, it's obvious. You can tell those guys are running out there, but but you just, know, I look that to me. I don't know that that you know just just substitutions is the biggest concern heading into this week. I think the biggest concern for Oklahoma heading into this week is the biggest mismatch which is their offensive line versus Baylor's defensive line, especially without Adrian Ely, which we assume 
he won't be back. I know Bill Biedenboe didn't really give any indication. See, I kind of thought that he. I'd be surprised if he didn't give it a go. Really? Just from seeing what he was doing on the sidelines, he was trying to go through drops and stuff. And it, I mean, he was hobbled, but it didn't yeah. look like a guy that, you know, Kenneth Mann and uh, Trey Sermon, obviously, they tore their ACLs. They're not, you can't walk around. Yeah. yeah. He definitely wasn't in that same okay. boat. But just looking at the way that he was squirming when he was on the ground. Yeah. I, I thought, oh boy, this guy. Well, the fact they were looking at here. his knee too yeah, was sure. the thing that gave me pause. Like he'd be coming back immediately for sure. But I mean, this is this is that game uh, that number ninety three for Baylor is really good. Like I fear for Eric Swenson's life a little bit in this game. Defense, Baylor's defensive line might be the best in the. I think Big they 12. are. I think they are. But <laughs> I mean, if if R J Proctor is starting along with Eric Swenson. They're going to have a lot of problems Saturday. It's a fascinating matchup in that I think a lot of people uh, think Oklahoma's just going to go down there and, you know, they're a 10-point favorite and they're going to take care of business. Like, I could buy that. I could also buy if you told me Baylor's going to have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. I could buy that as well. Like, I think it's going to be a very telling game as far as what happens the rest of the season. And obviously, I mean, there's only three regular season games left, but like, do you think that there's a better chance that Oklahoma runs the table or loses a game from here out? Loses a game. I would Same. probably lean if towards losing a game. it's not Saturday, it's Bedlam. I, yeah. I, I would agree. Like, I think those are two, two games that are going to be extremely tough. Unless I, I the defense turns it back around. But Th- this is the game that'll tell you what OU is. And Baylor's not that good offensively. That's they, fair. They're just. Th- this is not the Baylor everybody's used to seeing. And I don't mean to say that that means OU's going to go shut them down. We'll find out what this defense is because this is not a Baylor team. And their offensive but, line is not that good. No, no. Do you remember what West Virginia did oh, yeah. to them they, on that Thursday night? Them. The Stills yeah. brothers. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> murdered them. I mean, they they had no chance. That West Virginia defensive line were the was the best unit on the field that night. Charlie Brewer barely survived that TCU game. I think Tram was kind of working on the story this week, but Baylor has not played well in Waco. No. No. Which is kind of weird. I mean, they haven't really played well anywhere, but they just keep winning. I mean, to me, that's – and that kind of feeds – I think there's two outcomes. I think Oklahoma either goes down there and plays their best game of the year and wins 42-21 or something like that, or they lose close. They lose like – 31 to 28 or something they, they just throw out a dog because as much as i'll say the baylor offense isn't what we're used to seeing the baylor defense is much better than people realize yeah or they get blown out and we get ready for the valero alamo bowl <laughs> they well, i mean they've always said that san antonio, san antonio is beautiful in late december when they drain Uh-oh. the when they drain the uh <laughs> the river walk the smells are just enticing Makes you want to eat Mexican food. I've never been to San Antonio. I would be. Well, you excited. and Eddie will enjoy it when you go covering the <laughs> like, team. <laughs> like you've never been, like period. Correct. Really? Yes. Wow, okay. Yeah. That one year, 2013, before Blake we might Bell, as well just go to Mexico. If that's heroics, what's happen. I thought for sure Al- the Alamo Bowl, and then Northern Illinois lost, and OU beat OSU, and they're in the Sugar Bowl. No, there's. I mean, there's no better place for food. Than San if Oklahoma plays in the Alamo Bowl, we might as well just negate coverage of the team because nobody will care. That's why Care's not going. Put together a Trevor Knight documentary. The hometown, everything. 
we following could do around a, a day in the life of Trevor Or we Knight. could do former, you know, we could get uh, Drew Allen, maybe, former OU quarterback. Drew's down there. Yeah. I actually, I don't know, I think I probably mentioned it. Standing in line at the Masters at the uh, concession stand, going through the line. Uh-huh. And I had, you know, <laughs> right. no big deal. Might have heard of it. Tiger won it this year. I was there. Uh, standing in line, and I had a, um, I forgot what I was doing. I Eating a pimento. Something. Sandwich. Started talking to the guy in front of me. He goes, yeah, I'm from San Antonio. And he's like, oh, you're from Oklahoma City. What are you doing? I told him. And he goes, oh, my uh, nephew played at Oklahoma. Huh. Drew Allen's uncle. Interesting. Yeah. End of story. End of flex. Well, one of my favorite guys to cover ever. Drew was, Drew was a good an guy. Absolute awesome interview. He was great to talk to. Ran into him a couple years ago, out and about after the OU Texas game. Really good, good off dude. the field guy. Yeah, good guy really to have a beer dude. with. We had many. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Jalen hurts his chance to kind of redeem himself for. What happened in the Texas game? What happened last week? It's really, you know, the last big, you know, well, I mean, Stillwater's going to be a big road environment, especially the way they're going. But, yeah, I mean, that's a worry, too, because, I mean, I've kind of jokingly said uh, Oklahoma State, if, if Oklahoma doesn't get any better defensively, Chuba Hubbard's the scariest person they could possibly <laughs> face. After Samaje, I mean, yeah, I said what I think Hall he could did. break Samaje's single game rushing record. He might, he might do that this week against Kansas, and then reset it <laughs> against OU if they don't and still not get an out. invite to New York City. Oh, he won't. He's he's ineligible for it. He plays at a uh, non-blue blood, and they've lost three games. But here's the thing: have I have I said this before? Like Barry Sanders, he, when he won the Heisman. They only lost two games that year, and they were both losses to top 10 teams, Oklahoma and Nebraska. So it's like, everybody's like, oh, Barry Sanders. Well, yeah, but that Oklahoma State team was a lot better than this sure. Oklahoma State team. That was a borderline top 10 team. Yes. They? I mean, they were right there on that fringe, too. Well, I mean, I think they got murdered by Nebraska that year, and then I think that was the year when, like, uh, it was like the... Uh, Barry Sanders versus um, Gaddis. Mike Gaddis game, yeah. Well, and believe it or not, the uh, parameters and the rules for winning the Heisman Trophy in 2019 are a little bit different than well, they were in 1988. In 1988, football actually valued running backs then. Like they were, yeah, that's probably true they too. were as big as stars as quarterbacks. I will say the fact that Jonathan Taylor, I think, is fourth right now in the uh, straw polls. The straw polls is a complete joke. Did him over Hubbard, yes, you're saying? Yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, what's crazy is we're <laughs> going back to the Jalen Hurts thing, you know, who's number two right now. He's going to get invited to New York City. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. I was actually... The, the numbers it, stand out. It kind of surprised me uh, that, you know, I, I was driving home from practice, I think, one night, and they were talking about that uh, just as far as, I was like, oh, I guess he is number two still. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Well, with Tua being hurt and out. And yeah. Would Do you think, and obviously a lot to play out until then, but would an Oklahoma-Alabama Sugar Bowl do anything for the fan base? Would that be an exciting bowl game? I know you're not in the college football playoff. I know that uh, you know that would probably mean that you've still won the Big 12. You're you're still you had a really good year. Like the, the this idea, and I guess I just can't wrap my head around it that 
there are so many fans out there, and I know it's the rabid, like hardcore fans that you lose at one game and you're nine and one, and all of a sudden the season's over. Like that's just so depressing to me in a way. You know the whole name likeness image thing. Like if they should be able to enact that to where OU could pay Jalen Hurts a bonus for just getting in front of a microphone and saying I want Tua, or you know like just saying. I want my redemption. You know, something stupid like that. I mean, like, that would get everybody jacked up on both sides. And I think it would make for a good game because you'd have, you know you'd have some Alabama people into that idea, too. Like, yeah. that, I mean, it would be, it's, it's just a disappointing for them as though you fans not being the playoff. But I, I think the chance to see that, that re, uh, not even a rematch, the, I don't know, the reconvening, whatever you want to call it, like those two coming back together would be pretty cool. And it would be good because it's not like a hate thing. Like it's just two guys that like each other that just, you know. At least we think like each other. Teams. Oh, I, mean, I, I always got that impression. I mean, it would be the ultimate, as Eddie's been calling it all year, the FU tour. It would be the ultimate finish. Mm-hmm. We've had to cancel a couple uh <laughs> Tour dates, I think. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, no Atlanta, no New Orleans. The tour no bus, Scott the tour Taylor. bus broke down. It's under repair. I don't know if it's going to get to New York or not. Uh uh-uh. uh Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the no. The ideal would have been meeting in the college, you know, the national championship game, but I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? Do you like? Do you think Jalen Hurts was disappointed that Alabama lost? Not from a perspective of, like, those were my teammates, those were my buddies, but that hurt his chance to ever see them on the field. I don't know. Who knows? I thought it helped his chance because now he could actually play them in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I mean, my problem (laughs) is I still think if OU runs the table, they're probably going to get into the damn thing. I don't. See, and this is this is quite the uh, would it be a juxtaposition? Yes. Like mm-hmm. I I don't nice. think it's impressive. How about that? That's For like you. that's extra bonus points, isn't it? <laughs> Bam, like I I think there's a very slim chance of that happening, Josh. Not that not them winning out, them getting in. I just think that there's too much uh, extracurricular. It's it's different than in in past years. There's not that that straight line arrow of went out, you're in type I thing. got a uh, PR email release from Bet Online before the show started, and they have OU right now, their current odds, their seventh best odds of reaching the playoffs. Here's my question. Why are the percentage numbers on, like, 538 so much different than and the ESPN FBI? Like, I can someone explain that to me like a toddler? I don't understand. Like you put in, you know, you on five thirty eight, you can go in mm-hmm. Ohio State, LSU. Uh, if everybody wins, everybody out, wins out. What what's the percentage chances? I think as of this morning, it's like seventy eight percent. Oh, you'd be in. You lay it at FPI, and it gives you, I think it's like eleven percent or something for Oklahoma. Well, they had yeah they and they even have like you know, teams like I mean like Auburn like at eleven percent or something like that. Like it's just ridiculous. I don't. I, I've always hated the FBI stuff. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I just hate it. None. It's not going to mean anything if Denzel Mims just torches the secondary. Fact. 
Oh, That's I mean, fact. like I said, part of what I'm saying is I. There's still some part of me that thinks this defense is better than what they've shown the last two weeks. I don't know why. I I just I'm like I feel like I'm Carrie of like preseason last year. Like Carrie bought a little bit. I've bought into this defense a little bit. I don't think they're dominant. I don't That's think why people great. are pissed. Yeah, I think yeah. they're better than what they've been the last two weeks, and I don't think the la- the previous seven weeks just don't matter. I don't believe that. Well, and you so, I mean, you said if Mims torched nobody's really torched this secondary. I mean, yep. they have people have con- Kansas State converted a bunch of third downs. I think Mims is the best receiver they've faced. Duvernay? I'd take Duvernay over Mims, and I like Mims. By the uh, way, Colin Johnson had a big game against Kansas State. <laughs> uh, uh, was he all Big 12 that week? No. I don't think so. Guys, but go go back and look at that at that game when the only times that you saw a, like an easy throw for Brock Purdy was when somebody fell down, which was happening happening at an amazing rate. But that rye there grass. was very like when guys <laughs> were storyline. When guys were there and were that kept their feet. Brock Purdy was having to make some tough throws. There was a throw. God, I yeah. That, their biggest play was just a, a hitch to the outside that went for forty because yeah because uh, Jaden Davis, missed, Davis the missed the tackle. The the throw that yep. I I want to say I'm sure that a lot of people tweeted it out and you Josh probably highlighted it in uh, Monday Morning Quarterback just as far or as far as there was one to the OU sideline in the fourth quarter. I think it was on a fourth. I mean, a first down, and Purdy throws it like in front of two defenders. It's there's just it, there's not a better throw that could have been made, and it's just like it seems like that happens a lot to Oklahoma. Oh, uh, Skyler, it has in the past. The, you yeah. watch Skylar Thompson against Texas. All of a sudden, right, he's average. not hitting yep. every little throw. Like he's just a guy. And I mean, people could say, oh, like in years past. Well, yeah, OU made quarterbacks look great because their coverage was terrible. Against Kansas State, that wasn't what was going on. He was just making good throws. Well, it's like, remember uh, say, when, Austin, say, I mean, when Austin Kendall came in here, he was like, oh, I'm just going to throw it deep all day. And that's what he tried to do. And, like, they defended it. Like, And I'm sure Austin yep. Kendall was like, well, damn. It was that one. He, he's like, where's the defense I've been watching the last two years? I was ready to torch those guys. He's like, come on, guys. Where's Kerry Cooks? I wanted some missed tackles. Basic defense. It's a hell of a throw, isn't it? Yeah, it was. But no, I mean the yeah, the, the, the secondary know, hasn't let yeah. guys behind them just running free this year. Uh-uh. I mean that's the one thing that you can say has been you know consistently good. The only place they're finding free yardage is running off tackle. Now the tight that's ends for yardage, Iowa State right. that was a different story over the middle. I thought uh, I'd like to know how many yards they got uh, or averaged at least for Brees Hall on that little sweet play. I thought. He was at picking up five, six yards at a time without even getting touched. It's crazy. And that's why I wondered Dating if they really to... are. Go ahead, Josh. No, I was going to say, dating back to high school, how sick is Pat Fields of seeing Charlie Kohler? Right? Charlie <laughs> beat him up like, pretty good in North versus Union games. Uh, uh, exactly. Like, I was like, Pat's seen this before. He doesn't want, he wants this over with. All right. Well, um, anything else that you guys want to hit on before we get out of here? Your question du jour. Uh, you want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> no. Look into it. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right. Uh, 
Well, OU Baylor coming up. Uh, we will have the Eskridge Lexus post game. I think um, it's going to be a fun game. I'll say that on Saturday. Yep. I, th- I, I think that I like watching games in McLean. McLean is a nice stadium. It's nothing that is crazy, but it's just a very nice. Like it's a perfect place to hold a high school event, uh, wedding. You know, we if you want to hold a wedding there, I'm sure that they could dress rehearsal. Do that. I, it's a little weird that it was built with blood money raised by Art Bryles, but. That's neither here nor there. I like the walk with the river. It's cool. They have general admission berm seating. It's a very good when it's packed, and it usually I guess the only times I've ever been down there is when it is packed. But it's a it's a it gets it gets rowdy. I mean that twenty fifteen game one Baptist of the best college football games yes. that I've seen in person. Yep, for sure. And that was also Eddie's best pregame video. Yeah, something tells me that's not going to happen again this year. You don't think they'll let you down there? Oh no! I are you let saying Jalen there. Hurts? Is I don't gonna, think that Jalen Hurts is going to tell them that uh, he's, he's going to spank them like their daddy. Dad. Oh, the you forgot who your daddy. 20, yeah. 2017 with Baker. Yeah, yeah. Or was it? Was that twenty seventeen? Okay, yep. that was the last time we were down there. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. And it was that was a night game, wasn't it? It was. I don't think they've ever played down there. Not a night game. <laughs> Same with West Virginia. Yeah. All right, well, we're looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, the fans will be looking forward to it. Don't worry. You can watch it at home. You don't have to worry about leaving early and having Lincoln Riley disgusted yeah, at this, you. Yeah, you can just turn it off this time. Yep. Uh, so, there you go. All right, well, thanks for listening. Thanks to MidFirst uh, Bank for uh, being our title sponsor of the podcast. Uh, don't forget, go to MidFirst.com slash U40. Sign up for that OU Rewards credit card. So, for Bob Prisbillo, I'll say him first. For Eddie Radosevich, for Josh McQuistian, I'm Kerry Murdoch. We'll see you back here again next week for the, another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from SoonerScoop.com.